Brick Moon Fiction presents Reconnaissance by Chantel Donnan, narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle. The light was on in the upstairs window, casting yellow light onto the yard below. Abigail knew she was in the clear. Her target wouldn't hear her, wouldn't even turn toward the window for another three hours at least. But still, she flattened herself against the earth and dug as quietly as she could. It had rained that evening and the ground was moist, so it yielded to her trowel easily. The petrichor filled her nostrils and the dirt smeared her hands. She kept on digging until she found a small gray box about two feet down. She smiled when she spotted it, but didn't speak. Instead, she pulled the box from the dirt and rolled onto her back. With the box balanced on her stomach, she removed the watch she always wore on her left wrist and twisted the crown, left four times, right seventeen, and left again just once. The watch clicked, and a small silver piece jutted out of the case. It was thin, rounded on one end, and carefully carved with ridges and teeth on the other. Sitting up, Abigail stuck the piece into the box's lock and turned it. The lid came up easily, revealing only two items inside, a black Nokia cell phone and a portable battery, its green light still glowing eerily. Abigail picked up the phone and dialed. She still knew the number by heart. As it rang, she noticed movement in the target's window. She blocked the phone's light with her hand and lay down again, disappearing into the shrubbery. Come on, come on, come on, she whispered. A voice on the other end answered. It's one in the morning, a woman said. Who the hell do you think you are calling at this hour? It's me, Abby said. Reisinger. Oh, there was the ruffle of bedsheets, the tiny crack of a light switch being flicked. As I recall, the agency gave you orders never to call here again. I know. And yet here you are, calling at one o'clock in the fucking morning. Must be important. Abby sighed, her eyes fixed on the yellow-lighted window. I need your help. There was silence on the line. A worm, awakened by all the digging, scooched his way past Abigail's boot and burrowed himself in some undisturbed dirt. The last of him was just slipping under the soil when the woman spoke again. Tomorrow, Westfield, 11.30. The line was dead before Abby had a chance to answer. The Westfield Mall was bustling with people, moms in leggings and stained tank tops with kids dressed in their Sunday best. It was Easter time, and the mall was teeming with patent leather shoes, toddler-sized suits, and floral dresses. They sat at the food court, but never ate anything messy. It would ruin their clothes then stumbled along from store to store, their mothers begging them to pick up their feet and not scuff their shoes, and they stood in a long line with other well-dressed kids, waiting to take their photo with a man in a bunny suit. And amid all the chaos, the sea of pastel, stood Margaret. She was standing with her back to a double-sided plastic bench, but her stiff, straight posture revealed no plan to take a seat. Her long-sleeved black dress fell to her calves, revealing a few inches of black pantyhose and sensible black flats, her gray hair was pulled into a low bun at the nape of her neck, and her black trench coat was folded and draped over one arm. She was wearing dark glasses, massive round ones that covered half her face. She clasped her hands over her waist and stared straight ahead, as if there was something fascinating about the Old Navy storefront. As Abigail approached, her mauve-painted lips tightened. Did you have to show up looking like that? Abby looked over her outfit, black slacks, a short black apron, and a shimmery gray top. The sleeves and hem were lined in bright yellow, the number 82 proudly emblazoned on each shoulder. 
the phrase hashtag March Madness BBW across her chest. Suddenly she remembered she was wearing a headband. She reached up sheepishly and removed it, the bedazzled basketballs jiggling on springs as she moved. I'm working the lunch shift, she said. You didn't ask. Margaret continued looking over Old Navy, but shook her head slowly. I just can't believe that after all this time, someone with your skills is working somewhere like that. Can't really put my skills on a resume. Well, sure, but this... I mean, it's... it's flexible hours. You had that before. It pays the bills. Margaret scoffed. Hardly. Abigail stepped closer and lay her hand on the older woman's shoulder. It's safe. Margaret bristled at Abigail's touch. Slowly, she stepped to the side and put three feet of space between them. Anyway, she said, I put my job on the line to meet with you. Out with it. What do you want? Abby ran a hand through her brown hair and took a deep breath. She moved to the other side of the bench and collapsed onto it. I'm on a mission. Of sorts. Intelligence gathering. I need help. The storefront before Abby's eyes was abandoned. In the glass, she could see Margaret's shoulders tighten and rise, the way they always did when she was thinking. Who's the target? Margaret asked. Holly. Abby watched the woman's reflection. Her shoulders snapped up so quickly they almost knocked off her oversized pearl earrings. They hadn't yet unclenched by the time she spoke again. So it's come to that, Margaret said sadly. I did my best. Abby rose and turned around, staring down Margaret's gaze in the glass. I tried to keep the peace. I gave up my life to keep it. But war is coming, and I can't go it alone. I need to start stockpiling ammo. Margaret bit her bottom lip and tapped her foot rhythmically. She seemed to be weighing options in her head. The risk of helping a former agent. Her compassion for Abby. The danger of war with a target she barely knew. At last, she straightened her back and nodded abruptly to steal her resolve. What do you need? Abby heaved a sigh of relief. Everything. Bugs, cameras, the whole nine. And we'll need to set it up tonight at her HQ. Tonight? Abby nodded. Tomorrow's my day off. I want to listen in. She couldn't see through Margaret's glasses, but she suspected the woman was rolling her eyes. All right, then, Margaret said as she put on her coat. Tonight, I'll meet you there. She took two steps toward the exit, her shoes squelching against the sticky tiles of the food court before turning sharply on her heel. Dress appropriately. They met just after midnight on a quiet street outside a massive brick-red building. Abby had dressed in head-to-toe black, her face obscured by balaclava, the light from her watch the only indicator of her presence. She waited in the shadows, her back against a tree, scanning the street for signs of Margaret. Suddenly, Abby heard a whistle and a sharp stinging across her right hand. She looked down. A metal cord was lashed across her wrist, its barbed ends digging into the trunk of the tree. She struggled for release, but each movement only dug the wire deeper into her skin. Abby's eyes searched the street frantically. It was empty, quiet. Not even a stray cat was out wandering the night. You've gotten sloppy, Margaret's voice came from behind the tree. Abby pursed her lips. Yeah, well, it's been a while. I can't believe you didn't see me. The older woman pulled a small pair of bolt cutters from her backpack and snipped the wire, setting Abby free. I had time to fire the restraint, head up a street, and come around the back, and still you didn't notice. Congratulations, Abby murmured. 
She looked over her former director with a critical eye. It had been 15 years since they'd worked a mission together. In that time, Margaret had grown thick around the middle, and her moves became stiffer, creakier. But the look in her eyes was still one of youthful joy. Abby wondered if she would have been working, still going out on missions well into middle age, if she hadn't given it all up all those years ago. She thought wistfully that she might have been. After all, what was she doing right there, right now? Let's get started, Abby said. I brought some stuff. She took off her backpack and withdrew a pair of navy cotton shorts, a white sneaker, and a denim jacket. Ooh, Margaret sniped. Are we having a fashion show? They're hers, Abby said. Do you have any cameras, listening equipment? As a matter of fact, Margaret placed her own bag on the ground and bent over it. She rifled through a side pocket, then held out a hand to Abby. Three thin silver circles lay in her palm. Remember these? Oh my God, are those Adam cams? Abby picked up one circle and held it close to her eye. It was thin as a fingernail, barely larger than a dime. These will be perfect. How did you get them? Margaret tugged at her top. Oh, I had a few lying around. No biggie. What do you want to do with them? Together, their eyes traveled toward the imposing building across the street. It stretched a full city block, its bricks and hedges imbuing the neighborhood with a kind of old-school sophistication, classic, composed, and impossibly stern. The building loomed over them, protected by wrought iron ten feet tall, warning them to not even bother breaching its walls. Abby shot Margaret a mischievous look. Want to plant some bugs? Margaret's smile lit up her face. She picked up her bag and juggled it in the air. There's more where that came from. Getting past the fence was child's play. Abby was hunched over the lock for mere minutes. She twisted the crown of her watch three times, right, left, right, and pushed, causing the glass to lift on one side like a jewelry box lid. With quick fingers, she pulled the watch hands off the face and snapped them together like puzzle pieces. She stuck the hands into the lock, twisted this way and that, and voila. The lock fell open and the gates shuddered apart. Come on, Abby whispered. She turned around, but Margaret wasn't behind her. Psst! The sound came from overhead. Abby looked up to see Margaret looking down from the roof. She tossed down a grappling hook, which landed at Abby's feet. Grab on and hold tight, Margaret whispered. It's a new model, has massive recoil speed. In the seconds it took Abby to reach the roof, Margaret was already unrolling a blueprint of the building. I think if we enter here, she pointed to an air vent on the south side, and crawled north about thirty feet, we should reach the first stop on her itinerary. She reached into her bag and withdrew a black notebook. You know her schedule? Abby raised her eyebrows in surprise. Don't you? Well, yeah, but she's my target. Abigail. Margaret patted her shoulder lovingly. Did you really think I wouldn't give this mission my all? Come on. They crawled through the silver, dust-covered duct and dropped into the building. It was deathly quiet. They slinked from corridor to corridor, dropping bugs in a few select rooms. Margaret stuck black tape in a few corners, some new tech she claimed would scan the room and send a 3D rendering to Abby's computer. I've already programmed it with your IP address, she said. You think of everything, Abby answered. They were thorough, scouring every minute of the target's schedule, covered every possible route from start to finish. There would be no missing a single second. By the time the sun started peeking over the horizon, they were back at the tree, stitching a few leftover bugs into the clothing Abby had brought. Well, I think that should do it, Margaret said. 
What info are you trying to get, anyway? Just... Abby struggled to find the words. I don't know. Everything. What she's doing all day. I mean, there was a time when I knew everything because she'd tell me. But now, things have gotten so icy, I just... I just want to know. I get it. Margaret stood, shook Abby's hand, and started up the sidewalk. I just hope you're happy with what you learn. As the older woman slipped out of earshot, Abby called out, Thanks, ma'am. The only response was a small, dismissive shrug. The next day, Abby's reconnaissance revealed some shocking intel. Holly Reisinger had walked to school with her friends from 0745 to 0800, talking about the previous night's episode of Riverdale and how someone named Cole is so cute. Security footage spotted her at her locker around 0810, where she unloaded the sack lunch she'd prepared herself and some books before touching up her lipstick. She went to pre-calculus, chemistry, and AP government, where the room scanners placed her front row and center. She was called on frequently in class, and she answered questions articulately and with confidence. During gym, the microphone sewed into her shorts caught her standing for another student when her classmates bullied him, even teaching him proper technique for spiking a volleyball. After school, Holly and some friends went to a coffee shop across the street, where they put the finishing touches on an English project due the next day. As far as Abigail was concerned, her daughter was a model citizen, an exemplary student, a level-headed kid, even a bit of a nerd. She couldn't have been prouder, or more confused, because when she got home, Holly's attitude completely changed. How was your day, honey? Abby asked. Fine, Holly said without making eye contact. What did you do? Abby asked. Nothing, Holly said as she headed down the hall. Where are you going? Abby asked. To my room, God, just leave me alone, Holly said. She emphasized her point by slamming the door. I don't get it, Abby told Margaret on the phone that night. She's a teenager, Margaret said. Sure, I get that. When I was her age, I was standoffish too, but I had to be. I was breaking every rule in the book. Holly, she's not hiding anything. She's not keeping secrets. She's such a sweet kid to everyone else, literally everyone else. So why the hell do I get the cold shoulder? She's a teenager, Margaret said again. That's what they do. Be thankful that she's a great kid, and she turned out that way because you're a great mom. Just give it time. She'll come around. Hell, give it 30 years. Maybe one day she'll come asking you to gather surveillance on her own little brat. Abby smiled. Yeah, maybe you're right. Thanks, Mom. Chantel Donnan is a writer and musical theater nerd from Southern California. She spent her childhood writing short stories in her journals, and these days writes blogs for Wedding Bee and many other websites. Currently, she lives in the Pacific Northwest with her husband, where she spends her time hiking, writing, and making her way through a massive to-read list. This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction Podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, as it helps us find a bigger audience. For more information on Brick Moon and special offers, sign up for the Brick Moon Fiction newsletter at brickmoonfiction.com. Thank you for listening.